you. Thank you. Good to be with you. Uh, you know, I do work with uh, seniors in a senior home, and uh, I actually lead two uh, discussion groups through e- every week, and it's, it's uh, almost every week that discussion will, in some way or another, no matter where I start with it, it will always seem to end up in a political discussion. You can know how those go. They're very, uh, you know, there's a lot of heat there. And part of what happens is that uh, these seniors, they spend a lot of time in front of the TV. A lot of news, and so you're always hearing about certain personalities that are in the news, and they either make you happy or mad, or all of the above. It reminds me, though, of the book of Jude. The book of Jude is just a little book, and he is... Uh, he's looking around, and he's seeing some things, some of the same things that we are seeing. Scoffers and uh, ungodly people, worldly wisdom that's going on, uh, cheating and lying, and, and all of those kind of, the same things that we see in the news, he saw in his news. And, uh, and so we're just looking at the end of this for the moment. Uh, it says, but you, talking to us, you know, be different. Be different, beloved. You ought to remember the words that were spoken. I like it in the New American Standard. You ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he's telling you about the last times there's going to be mockers and, and uh, people with worldly-mindedness, devoid of the Spirit. And as I was reading that, I was reminded of, my, of a conversation I had with my daughter. She's 26 years old. I had this conversation last week. And she was saying, she's a good millennial. She's grown up as a millennial and grown up in her home, Christian, you know, with the, the, at least the sense of God's call to be a witness to those that she's around. And so, you know, she's sought to do that. She went to uh, Brooklyn College and uh, and all the things that she did there, and she's working as an EMT, she got married, she has a daughter now. And, but, you know, she's remembering some of the friends that she has. She's still in contact with some of the friends she has from her college days and various places that she works. And she's beginning to ask herself, am I really being a witness? Have I been so overwhelmed by this millennial thinking that I'm no, no longer a witness. Because good millennials, they are very broad-minded, able to embrace everybody, you know, without really being judgmental. So you have transvestites and all, all manner of, of uh, lifestyle. In her wedding party, she had all manner of lifestyle. And, and she has these friends. And it started, you know, she's got this friend who's now in California who's, who's I think, married to a woman. She's a woman married to a woman. And, and, and they're going to have a baby, and, and my daughter has a baby. And so they're starting to talk about, okay, you know, when, when, when these two come together, we want them to be friends, our two children. My daughter's thinking, but, but I want to be clear with her that we have a different thinking than what they're modeling. And so she's starting to think about this and... You know, we so easily become overwhelmed with what's going on in the world that we lose our sense of witness. And so Jude is looking at the world and saying, hey, listen, you're still called to be this 
witness. So he says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves. I like this particular version. It says, uh, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. And if you don't mind, I would like to just kind of take a moment, use this verse as a window, a window into a larger part of the Bible. Gives us a peek into something more than what we might normally see here. So as we look in there, say, how do we keep ourselves in the love of God? What does that mean? Uh, those that those that study this kind of stuff, the thinkers over the generations, you know, have said that there's basic things that we need in life to survive. We know it's food and sleep and uh, uh, whatever are those basic things, shelter. Those are basic things we need. But there's something else that we actually need in order to survive. Three things. There's three things that they've said. More emotional, social kind of needs. That these are not, these are not, uh, what's the word? These are not optional. If you don't get these, you will look for them. I always think about a vacuum cleaner, especially the old vacuum cleaners, you know, where it had this hose stuck to this thing here, and you turn it on, and the hose is just sucking. It's never satisfied. Right? Vacuum cleaner is never satisfied unless it's all plugged up. It's just not satisfied. You're always sucking in, wanting more. These three things are like the vacuum cleaner. Always wanting more of that because it's a need. It's not an option. We have to have these things. So the first one is a real sense of belonging. We need to have a, a place to belong, a place where love and accepted, a place where we feel like, ah, this is who I am, and this is my people, and this is... We don't have that. We search for it. You know, in, the, in, the, in Genesis chapter 1, you know, in the very beginning, it was there completely. They were fully accepted. You know, Adam and Eve felt no threat, right? No shame. They felt... Happy in that moment, they knew they didn't weren't concerned about one another. They felt accepted by one another. They were even accepted by the lions and bears and tires. Oh yes, they were, because there was a perfect harmony. There was no threat there. They were accepted by God, and they would visit with God as He would come and be with them. Their belonging was fully satisfied. The vacuum cleaner didn't need to be on because it was fully satisfied. So that's a need we have. But when sin came into the world, you know the first thing they did. They hid. We've been hiding ever since. We are afraid, but we still need that sense of belonging. We still need that sense of being cared for. We still need that, that being loved and accepted. Isn't one of the things that we really want is that somebody knows us fully and they accept us fully at the same time. That's what we want. That's what we need. But when sin came in, that was broken down. 
And so what happens then is that we begin to work really hard to find that, to, to get that into our lives because we need it. So in my life, I have, it's helped me to begin, when I think about it in this way that I'm going to demonstrate, it's really helped me. This is, if it doesn't help you, close your eyes. But this helps me, all right? I'm an image guy, I see things. We have this real need to be loved, accepted. But we often feel like the cup is not full. So the vacuum cleaner goes to work and, I need it, I need it, I need it. And it becomes like this. We're trying to get it in all sorts of ways. So we go into marriage. Notice how uh, often people who are not married yet, but they're moving towards it, they'll say, oh, she completes me. He meets this need in my heart. Or some of the worst things you could say going into marriage. Because that's like doing this. Saying, okay, yes, somebody else is going to meet my needs. But what happens? It doesn't stay in there. Because it it just leaks. It's not enough. We need to keep getting more. It's like the vacuum cleaner. We need more. So what happens in a marriage? or a work relationship, or a friendship. Well, you meet my needs, and as long as you do, my cup feels good. I feel good. But when you stop meeting that need, my cup is empty. And now I need more. Now I need more. So what does it look like in marriage? (laughs) As long as you are satisfying my sense of acceptance and love... I feel good and I enjoy this relationship. But when I don't, when you don't do what I think will make me feel loved and accepted by you, what happens? I become demanding. I expect you to meet a need. I expect you to do this for me. And if you don't, then I become impatient or embittered, angry, Because I'm expecting you to meet my need. Many, many, many marriages are filled with this kind of thinking. I've been this way. I still get this way. I expect my wife to meet some needs here. Because I need it. I can't live without it. I can't live feeling unloved, uncared about, unaccepted. It hurts too much. I need it. It's in my life. I need it. And so I expect her to do it. And so I'm sucking her dry. And in time, you know what happens. In time, she gets so dry, she's got to go somewhere else or, or shut off this relationship so that she can survive. Or if she's sucking me dry, i got to go somewhere else where I can feel like that need is met because I need it. We all need it. Reminds me of a a young man, a guy named Bob Galaney, when I was in in college a few years ago. This Bob Galaney and I, we kind of 
they had a friendship going on. And somehow he started to expect from me something in that relationship that I wasn't ready to give. I wasn't sure exactly what it was he wanted, but he wanted some kind of closeness and some loyalty to him and something that was, I didn't know at the time what it was. But he was expecting it. And he came closer and closer and he got frustrated with me because I wasn't giving to him what he wanted and he would shake me and he would try to do all sorts of things. And finally I just I don't want your friendship. I don't want you here. That wasn't very Christian-like. I was going to Bible college at the time. But it was suffocating to me. He was pulling something from me that I didn't want to give to him. That happens in relationships. When we go into marriage, the most healthy thing is that we go in whole, right? We go in not needing, but we are going able to give. But we have such great needs. So what would happen... What would happen in your work relationships, in your marriage relationships, in your friendships, if you were filled? If your cup of belonging and of love was filled? And it didn't leak. It always stayed full. You entered into that relationship with a fullness. You didn't need, I, didn't, I don't need my wife's love. I don't need anybody else's love and acceptance. It's my cup is full. What would happen if we went into it with that? I think it would be dynamically different. Because when, we, when our cup leaks and when we get empty, we start taking. We start, I need you to give me something. I'm, we use manipulation. We use all sorts of things for you to, to love me and accept me. Whatever method we use, but I gotta take from you. And if it's taking, I'm starting to demand it from you. But if our cup was full, if it was full, we wouldn't have to demand anything, would we? We wouldn't have to take anything, would we? We could just simply give out of the fullness. And so God says, He declares. And I declare to you, based on God's word today, your cup is full. It is full. God declares your cup is full. He says, I love you with an everlasting love. I love you with a love that endures forever. doesn't change when you mess up. I love you completely. God says, your cup is full. The trouble is, most of my life, I haven't really believed that. I've read it. I've taught it. But I haven't really believed it. And so I keep sucking it. My wife, you need to love me this way. You need to say words like this. Because this is what speaks to me. And if you don't do this, then there's something wrong. Or work relationships. Same thing. I've sucked it from people trying to get them to accept me or trying to make sure that I do the things that will make them accept me because I need from them something. God says, guess what? Your cup is full. It's full already. I was reminded this week of uh, the manna that God gave in the desert. You know, it supplied them for 40 years. Every morning it was there except Sunday. So they would pick up twice as much on Saturday or, you know, Sabbath thing. 
they, there was always enough for them. And so all they had to do was go out there and gather it, and God would meet that need. But the interesting thing that I was reminded of was that God caused that manna to be out there on the dew of the ground. It was out there, but where was it not? It wasn't in their tents. The manna didn't grow in their tents, right? The manna was outside. God provided it all. The only thing they had to do was get out of the tent and go get it. Right? Just get out of the tent and go get it. And take it. There was enough for a big family and there was enough for little families. Nobody had too much, nobody had too little. You just go out there and gather it. Listen, what I've discovered in my life, I have to daily, I have to daily go and pick up this manna, this declaration from God that God says, your cup is full, Bill. I need to daily remind myself, your cup is full, Bill. Receive God's love today. You don't need your wife's love. You don't need your co-worker's love. You don't need to be accepted by anybody in this church. You don't need any of that because your cup is full. And if you don't need it, guess what? Then you can give it. Then you can give it without having anybody return anything. Then you can give it. Oh, if somebody hurts you, it still hurts but you can still give it. You know what that does for us when that happens? It causes us to have a greater emotional stability in life. Because our cup is already full. It doesn't leak. It stays full. God declares it. Do you believe it? God declares it. Has it gripped your soul yet? Or is it just something that you read in the Bible, you sing about, but you still trying to get it from people. I need people to accept me in love. Jude says, listen, this world is crazy out there. But keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself there. Keep bringing yourself back to where God loves you and your cup is full. Remind yourself your cup is full. Don't operate out of an empty cup. Operate out of a full cup. Full cup. This morning, the Holy Spirit is saying, your cup is full. You might feel like it's empty. we got all sorts of feelings. You might feel like it's empty. And maybe you're operating out of this. But the truth is, if you're one of God's children, your cup is full. He already loves you. You're already accepted. You don't have to do anything to be accepted. Isn't that good? You don't have to do anything to be accepted. Now you can operate out of that. Ah. Now I can just be a giver. We need, you absolutely need to be loved and accepted, to be belonging somewhere. God says, you belong. But there's a second thing. There's a second thing that we need for survival. You need it, I need it. Without it, you're going to be having that vacuum cleaner sucking it into you. Because we're not meant to live in a constant state of fear and anxiety. God says, I know that you need to be safe and secure. God meant to meet all of these needs. And so in the garden, they were very safe and secure. They didn't have any fear of the lions and tigers and bears. No, no. They had no fear of those things. They didn't fear one another. They didn't fear God. There was nothing to be afraid of. God had supplied all of that. Sin is what makes that a problem for us. 
And so now we fear all sorts of things. We have, are unsafe in all sorts of places. And what is the general thing that you and I do in order to keep from being afraid? What do we do to grab a hold of safety? What do we do to find security? The tendency is, for most of us, is to take control. Take control. One of the things that I've done over my life is that uh, the thing, one of the things that I'm very afraid of is of being embarrassed. I don't like to be embarrassed. So I will be careful in the circumstances I put myself into so that I will not be embarrassed. What is that? That's taking. Controlling my environment so I'm... I'm taking from people. I'm taking their sense of respect or I'm trying to create a safety for myself. So I'm not giving. I'm just protecting. That's a a problem for me. Some of us, we're concerned about our image as it relates to our children, right? Our children are a, a representation of us. And so we want our children to look good, do well, so that our family is well represented. We don't want to be embarrassed by our family. And so we really put the screws to our children. Make sure that they're doing well. Oh yeah, we want them to do well and succeed as, children, as people. But listen, you're representing me. I have felt this. Oh, pastor in a church, you know. How people look at my children reflects on me. So, you know. The, te- the temptation is to really put the screws on. Not because I love them. I mean, there's that side of it, too. I'd like to think that's the whole side. But it's not. I know. There's a, there's a side where, okay, this is my image here. Taking control. I'm taking. That's not love. I'm taking. Or we feel the insecurity or a lack of safety in the areas of finances. And so we work real hard to protect our stuff to take care of our wealth, to make sure that our wealth continues to increase and grow. And it consumes an incredible amount of our energy and time. And the world presses their way in on us. I'm not saying don't take care of the wealth side. But I'm saying that oftentimes we take such a control over those things that we only feel safe and secure when our cup is full. But it leaks. Because all the efforts that we put in are not enough. It's that vacuum cleaner sucking, sucking, sucking. Our efforts just tend to be not enough. Our own good, our insurance is only as good as the next accident, right? It's just not enough. All the efforts that we can put in to take care of ourselves, uh, I've thought about this a lot. You know, I work in this senior care facility, so I see this all the time, and I think about this, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of life or successes you've had in life. In the end, if you get cancer, that doesn't help you any. In the end, if you get Sick? You don't have something more than what's in this world? 
your cup is empty. God declares. God declares you're safe. What would happen if we would actually believe that our cup of safety was full? What would happen if we actually believed with the psalmist when he says, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans? What would happen if we would be like this other, the psalmist in a different psalm who said, I was hard-pressed. Oh, it was a tough time. I cried to the Lord, and he brought me into a spacious place. And then he declares this. Oh, this is what I discovered. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What would happen if we actually believed that? What if we could declare with the psalmist who said, Oh, wow, I will not die, but live. And we'll proclaim what the Lord has done. Guess what? doesn't matter what happens in this world. He's my refuge. He's my defense. He has become my salvation. I believe it. I don't have to be afraid. Well, yeah, I've got to take care of these things here. But I can allow, I, I'm not putting my trust in my insurances, my job, my wealth, in my ability to control my circumstance, keep me from being embarrassed or failed. I'm putting my confidence in the Lord alone. And I know he's got it. What happens? What would happen if we operated out of a full cup that didn't leak? It always stayed full. God always was our protector, our refuge, strong fortress. How would our life change? How would my life change? You know, when we're protecting our wealth, we kind of, you know, got to make sure that that we have enough for the things that we're taking care of in our family and our circumstance. It's a little harder to be generous then, isn't it? A little harder to be the kind of giving person that God would desire for us to be. Or when things don't go quite right, we quickly become anxious and afraid. And when we're anxious and afraid, we're usually less than loving people. What would happen if we actually operated out of a full cup? We believed what God declared. Hey, I'm your refuge. I'm your shepherd. You lack no good thing. Boy, that's an amazing song. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What would happen if we actually believed that? And lived that way. Lived and believed that God said, hey, your cup is full. You don't have to worry about a thing. You can actually be about the business of building the kingdom of God because, yeah, I got you. I got you. We're, we're covering over this thing. I'm preaching mostly to me. This has been a hard area for me. I've been living out of this cup for so long. It's been very leaky. It's created lots of anxieties and angst and fears and and caused me to be a tightwad and not generous the way that God would have me to be generous and have have tried to make the right decisions and often make the wrong decisions. And you know know how money is. It comes and goes. Operating out of a cup that's leaky rather than, ah, it's full. If I operated out of a full cup, how would that be different? Wow. I could be more generous. I could be more giving and not worry about my future. Not be so worried about, am I going to have a job next week? Or 
live a more free life if I only believe what the Bible says. And my cup is full. My cup is full. Jude says, listen, in this world when you've got lots of anxieties and there's all sorts of things going on and you don't know what's going to happen in the future, listen, keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself there. Keep going out there and receiving this truth that your cup is full. It is full. Whether you believe it or not, whether you operate out of it or not, it is full. There's no question it's full. God says, I got this. You can operate out of an empty cup, a leaky cup, that's very up and down, good when things are good, but not so good when they're not. Or you can operate out of a full cup. It's your choice. Depends on what you believe and which cup you're going to go. For my for me, I recognize I have to daily go out to, of my tent and remember, yes, Lord, my cup is full. I don't feel like it's full today, God. God, yeah, Bill, your cup is full. I'm your refuge. I haven't changed. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not going to change. Your cup is full, Bill. It's okay. Oh, yeah. God says you're completely loved. Your cup is full. We need to be safe. God says, I got you. I'm your refuge, your shepherd, your fortress. I'm your defense. I give you victory. You can trust me. The the cup is full. Relax. But we need one more thing. For good survival, we need not only to be loved, not only to be safe, but we need to have a sense of value, importance, sense of meaning to life. If we don't, life becomes a drudgery. We might become depressed. People kill themselves over lack of meaning, over hopelessness. Meaning. You know, in the garden they had meaning. You know, God says, okay, here, Adam and Eve, I've made you, and here's what, here's what your job is. First of all, just by who you are, you're going to bear my image. You're going to be image bearers. I made you in my image. I love saying this to the seniors in our home. I love to tell them, listen, you don't have to do anything. Just you're living. You're already doing the work of God. You're bearing his image by who you are, by the way you love one another, by the way that you just live. You already bear his image. You are fulfilling a purpose of God. That's great when you're in a wheelchair and you can't do anything. You at least still have meaning and purpose. But he's also said, Adam and Eve, I'm going to give you dominion over the earth. You have a role and a job here to care for the earth. It's not going to be hard and difficult. There's no threats, no difficulties. Part of the job in that, Adam, is for you to name the animals. You've got a project here. Take on this project. I often wonder how long that took. I think it maybe took 100 years. I don't know. doesn't tell us. It's a lot of animals, insects. Did Adam actually name the ant ant? I don't know where we got the end. Sorry, just some of my thinking. So, so uh, you have, you have, you're an image bearer. You've got dominion. We still have dominion. We still have decision making over the world, over the earth, over what is here, this creation. We're not doing so well. But there is still a role there. And then, uh, oh, and then procreation. Fill the earth. Have babies. Make families. More people that will bear my image. And then we know from the New Testament, we still have a role. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father. We have a role. We have meaning. We have purpose, each one of us. But we know sin has corrupted that too, right? So now, because of sin, because of fear, because of selfishness, uh, we, we, and, and, and I, I will say to you that probably out of these three, one of these will tend to gravitate more to the surface than the other for each one of us. This one really gravitates for me. Sorry. Some people, I got some troubles here too. Some people, they just got to win. 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 Do I dare say that's possibly part of the issue with our president? Win at all cost. Some of us has to win, even if it means we cheat on the exam. We've got to win and do well. We've got to keep moving promotion because that's what that gives me. When I accomplish the new goal, that gives me a sense of value and importance. Uh, when I get a certain level, when I, get, when I get my first home, that tells me something. When I buy my first car, when I get a bigger car, win, promote, bigger, better. We've sucked up what the world says and it fits our, our old nature. That's how we feel important. Get that degree. Get that certain position. That's the way that... And that's very much like this. Because it only that new car only is good enough for a little while. So, like I, I, I heard uh, uh, a pastor say that he had talked to one of the very rich people in his congregation. He had just purchased his first Learjet. It's out of my league. But he would just purchase his first day. And this guy was saying to the pastor, he said, listen, that was good until, which was only about a week later, until I went to my jet and I saw next to my, uh, another guy had a bigger, better jet. And suddenly this one was no good. That happened to you? Oh, I got a new phone until somebody else shows you they got the, the next phone. Something better. It only satisfies for a little while, but it leaks. But we have to have a sense of importance, a sense of value. But where do we get it from? What would happen if we would operate out of a full cup? A cup that didn't leak. God declares to you and to me, you have value. Guess what? The great thing about this is, I love this cup because it says, You have value. Bill, you're important. You have value before you ever did anything. It's not because I did something I have value. I have value because he created me. I have value and he showed me that value when Jesus died on the cross so that I could be redeemed and saved and brought back into fellowship with him. He said, Bill, you have value. Operate out of a full cup. See, because the empty cup, what does it do? It tries to take. It tries to get value. And it keeps leaking. So I want to get more and leak. Get more. And it's an up and down world. But if you operate out of a full cup, you don't have to get anything. Now I can go around and give value. I can give value to people in my life. I can encourage them. I don't have to work with them, make sure that, you know, I'm, where am I in the midst of where they are? 
compare myself to other people. No, I can give value. I can give encouragement. I can bless people if I'm operating out of a full cup. God declares. God declares. Your cup is full. All these cups are full. He declares it in his word to you. Get out of your tent. and Go get it. Remind yourself every day. Uh, I, I would, would be nice if we could live in the ideal. We could kind of live in the full cupness all the time. And that's, that's, you know, moving in that direction, I hope. But we know that uh, that's the ideal. But listen, are you moving more and more in the direction of living out of a full cup? Or are you just content to live out of a leaky cup? I want to encourage you. I just encourage you daily. Daily, would you remind yourself, hey, my cup is full. I'm already loved. I'm already belonging. I don't, I don't have to get it. I don't have to manipulate it. If somebody else says something better than me, they're, they're, that's okay. That's, that doesn't diminish anything because this cup doesn't leak. There's no leaking in this cup. Remind yourself, hey, Bill, your cup is full. You're loved. You're belonging. You don't have to squirm and worry your cup is full. God is a refuge. He'll care for you. He'll direct you. Listen to his spirit. But he's got you. He loves you. Just relax. Cup is full. Don't take control. Be obedient. Give. Bless. You don't have to take. You don't have to take. You don't have to take. You can give. You can give. You have value. Keep yourself in the love of God. In this cooked and perverse generation, Jude says, keep yourself in his love. Not that you get out of his love, because God continues to pour his love towards you. But keep remembering that your cup is full, that he actually loves you in these ways. And then he says, when your cup is full, then you're able to have. Uh, then you're able to have mercy on some who are doubting. You can save others, snatching them out of the fire. And some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by flesh. You can be about the business of building my kingdom when your cup is full. Listen, when your cup is empty, you're just taking. You're manipulating. You're using people for your benefit to fill your leaky cup. But when your cup is full, ah, then you can give. Why? Because when you give, you don't, your cup doesn't get empty. It just continues to be full. It's like, the, like the, the fish and loaves on the mountainside when Jesus is there. You know, I don't know how it all worked, but he takes these few fish and loaves and starts handing them out. The baskets are always full. Whenever he pulls out some more fish, they're full. Your cup is always full. No matter how much you give, it's always full. That's what God declares. It doesn't always feel that way, but that's what God declares, and we live based on what God declares to us. So then he says these great words, and I'll say this. 
This is the truth for me. I go out of my tent every day. I try to go out of my tent and receive this and remind myself that this is what God declares about me so I can live out of the fullness. But the truth of the matter is only God, the Holy Spirit, can make it be something real in me. And I'm saying, Holy Spirit, open my eyes. Help me to see. Help me to live out of the fullness of the cup, not out of an emptiness. Help me to live out of fullness. So Jude, in that spirit, says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time now and forever. He is able to enable you and me to live out of a full cup. It's not what we do. It's what he's done. And he declares to you and me, your cup is full. My prayer for you is that you can experience the fullness of your cup, belonging, safety, of value, and begin to give out of that rather than just trying to squeeze it out of the people around you. Lord, would you help us? Thank you for your word. Thank you for the declaration that you make to us that we are completely loved and cared for by you, that we have value. Holy Spirit, would you move among us? Would you move in our hearts? Would you move in my heart? Lord, help me to see this, Lord, not just with my head, but with my heart, to grasp this and to live out of that fullness, to be that person that can love well, that can give well out of that great overflow of what you have done, what, who you are, what you declare about me and about us. So Lord, would you do that? We thank you. Thank you that we don't have to live out of a leaky cup. But we can have the stability and strength from you. In Jesus' name, amen.